data breach can we wait for it to happen is our topic today our guests today are sajay singh and kk mukhi mr sajay singh is chair at iba technology law committee mr sajay singh has been in the field of law for more than 30 years he's he works as a chair of corporate commercial practice in jsagar associates he has been a partner at jsagar since 1992 welcome to the show sajay thank you thank you so much akash and uh, i'm looking forward to this podcast and with that uh, oh back to you kk mukhi is the founder of network intelligence is an expert in cybersecurity he has grown network intelligence from a one man company to a 600 employee company operation with offices spanning in new york dubai and mumbai he is an expert in it strategy information risk assessment and mitigation strategies he also excels in information security policies and procedures he has co-authored two books linux security and controls by saka and metasploit framework by synergis publishing welcome to the show kk thank you akash pleasure to be here so today let's let's jump onto the topic and i think i have been in this field for around 4 years and obviously very less from you both but what has been happening is the the big term of the year should easily be given to data breach any big company any biggest of the big companies right they all are getting harmed by data breaches right it can be facebook it it can be you take a name and they have a data breach to their name right and and as simple as name uh, phone number your passwords right as data as simple as that is easily available on dark web what is happening right now what 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 are we after right what are they after right so what is a data breach kk so i think the first uh, common understanding of a data breach is basically data that is critical to the organization or is protected by uh, some law for example uh, in the eu we have gdpr which clearly outlines what is considered as personal information and sensitive personal information um india we have a draft law and i'll leave sajay to uh, you know speak more on the legal aspect but basically anything uh any any leakage of data of this sort uh would be considered a data breach now is it large volumes of data is it a few customer records leaked out i would say it should be reasonably large amounts of data like if we are talking about an insurance company or any commerce company and, and we are talking about a handful of customer data records leaked one would not classify that as a data breach to be really concerned about but yes when it starts getting into tens of thousands and uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of records then we do have a data breach on hand and uh, the other aspect which one might also want to think about is things like ransomware which is so prevalent but would that be considered a data breach or no it's kind of debatable because um, some ransomware attackers will actually hold your data to ransom in the sense that they will threaten to leak it if you don't pay them whereas most other ransomware authors will simply say we'll not give you the decryption key so it's uh, if if the ransomware author also says that we will leak your data if you don't pay us then that would also probably classify as a data breach 
again, uh, as we started, right, it's uh, any any company that we know of uh, is being harmed by an attacker or by a mistake, right? But still, if data is going out, uh, which should not go out, it becomes a data breach, right? And with laws like GDPR and the Indian law that is coming in for privacy, uh, personal data, right? End of day, the personal data that comes out of a data breach will start making more challenges for the same companies. Yeah. Uh, also, I am trying to understand more from from both of you, right? Do you think uh, data breach is a major compliance problem, or is it a major reputation problem? Yeah. What What is your take on this? Yeah, Sajay. So I'll uh, um, in terms of well. Let's look at the consequences and uh, of, of a data breach, and probably that will help us understand. A lot of literature you'll find which says that there are the three Fs that get triggered. One is the fines. Fines could be fines because of law that you mentioned, GDPR and various other laws. Uh, there are fees, fees that you have to pay to consultants like KK, uh, lawyers like me, and you know various other people, forensic and various other people. Uh, there's up and at the end, there's huge amounts of frustration. So these are called the three Fs. I uh, add uh, three more Fs to the whole uh, consequence uh, pool and say there's fraud, there's forensic inv investigation, and the future compliance costs. Because like I was talking about MSMEs, they say, who can attack us? Who'll be interested in us? But once attack happens, then you know you get into future compliance. And costs can include compensating affected customers, setting up incident response efforts, investigating the breach, investment in new security measures, legal fees, regulatory contractual penalties. So uh, all of these can be costs and costs could be indirect as well. Business operations may be heavily disrupted you know, in the aftermath of a data breach. And this includes the time to contain the breach, investigate how it occurred and assess its impact. During this time, operations need to be either completely shut down or uh, altered a little bit um, until the investigations get, investigators get all the answers. And this has a huge effect on the revenue and the organization's ability to recover. But these are all the short-term consequences. The long-term consequences are very relevant that we need to talk about. And I think that was the question that you asked. And these hinge primarily on loss of customer trust and diminished reputation. For every business, in fact, for everyone in general, a good reputation is the most prized asset, an asset that one constantly works on to build, and it takes an instant to break. Brand owners work hard to maintain the integrity of the brand, and big or small, the harm caused when a brand gets tarnished is huge. While businesses can and do recover from the consequences of a data breach, but the loss of trust, a tarnished brand, a diminished reputation that a data breach causes can hit, can have a huge impact, especially on the bottom line. And for, for example, for listed companies, a breach can significantly impact its share price and valuation. I'll give you an example. If you remember in 2016, uh, Verizon acquired Yahoo. Now they had a huge price uh, for the acquisition, but they uh, got a 350 million discount primarily because 
Uh, Yahoo had had a data breach in 2013, which came to light in 2016 when the acquisition hadn't happened, but they were in the final stages. So uh, that's something that's an example to remember. And in today's social media driven world, news can travel even faster than we had ever imagined. And in seconds, an organization can become a global news story. And the negative press can cause irreparable damage to a breached company. So I think uh, in addition to all the public relations exercise, the organization would immediately need to demonstrate that it took adequate care of the data and had security practices and procedures in place. Otherwise, the customers will leave faster than they came. And I think KK will, yep. you know, who helps companies put these uh, measures would have something to say on that. Definitely. I, th I think what, what, what's your take, KK? What's your take in terms of, uh, have you seen this as a company? I think Sajay well mentioned that, you know, the discount of $350 million, right? Uh, people take years to build that much valuation and in one click, right? That's that's a discount that Verizon got. What's your take on the compliance and the reputation question? Yeah, I have uh, a slightly different uh, take than Sajay um, and I'll give you some examples of it. So first of all, I think it's is it a regular, is it a compliance issue or is it a reputation issue? I think it's primarily a business issue as Sajay has so well articulated, you know, in terms of the different costs and, and loss of business, et cetera. Um, let me address the first piece, which is compliance. Now, not all companies that are, um, uh, that have suffered data breaches or that are likely to suffer data breaches are covered under a regulation for data protection. Okay. So there is a broad Indian IT act, which is so outdated now it's 21 years old. Um, and then there has been, discussion forever of the Indian Personal Data Privacy Act. Um, and when we look at our customer profiles, you know, we have customers that are heavily regulated, primarily banks and financial services organizations. Uh, and they spend massive amounts of time, effort and money on uh, data protection. And then you have everybody else, uh, which includes big firms, which includes small firms, medium firms, which includes tech enabled firms, startups, e-commerce companies that are not uh, under any obligation from a legal or a, or a regulatory perspective to protect data. And their spend on data protection is abysmally low. Uh, and their focus as well. Uh, in fact, we've had conversations with many of them saying, why don't you even have a SOC? And they're like, we've never had a breach, but you have massive amounts of data. But yeah, so what if that data gets breached? And you see that happen in India, right? Zomato had a breach. I don't think they suffered anything in terms of business loss or reputation loss. I mean, did we stop going to Zomato because there was a breach? How many of us remember that there was a breach at Zomato? Big basket, right? I mean, I went to my wife as soon as I read that news and I said, we buy everything from Big Basket. Do you know they got breached? And her reaction was, meh. And, you know, she she lives in a household and she works in, in data security as well. So I think there is a, there is a sense of, ennui or kind of boredom that sets in when you have so many breaches happening that the end customer uh, starts to not really care about it. And if the end customer doesn't care, then the companies will not care, right? I mean, in the US with a breach like MobiQuick or Big Basket, you would have expected some class action lawsuits or something of that sort. But in India, it's crickets, right? You can hear. So it's, it's just silence, absolutely. Um, even from a regulatory perspective, I don't know um, the last major fine I remember was to a bank. 
a few years back from the Reserve Bank of India. But subsequently, all of the breaches in India have not had any fines imposed on uh, any of these companies. So that's a big, big gap. On the other side, when it comes to business loss or stock price loss, uh, Sajay's example is, uh, is spot on. But there are also a lot of counter examples. For example, if you see the Facebook price, Facebook had its first major breach about a few years back, two or three years back. Uh, and then it was followed up. Uh, I think the Cambridge Analytica scam came before that. Then there was massive breach. Uh, and then there have been almost every year, there is like uh, some news of a of big breach at Facebook. Um, but the Facebook share price has consistently shot up. In fact, uh, one of the great examples of Equifax uh, in the US, which handles hundreds of millions of very sensitive personal information, their stock price did plummet after the breach, but within six to 12 months. And same happened at Target, which was also a massive uh, breach uh, about I think, a decade ago. Uh, RSA, which was a security company they got. So there's so many examples where uh, companies have been breached. And I think some of that goes to how the company handles the breach. Right. So what are their uh, breach response mechanisms and processes? How do they reach out to customers? How do they communicate to stakeholders? Uh, because a breach in today's world is inevitable. Uh, so I think what is important is how well companies are prepared. Uh, but I think the key points from my perspective are one, absence of regulation will make companies careless. So there has to be regulation uh, uh, in terms of data protection. Otherwise, it's a asymmetrical game, right? The companies themselves know how much they're doing in terms of data protection. I, as a consumer who shares my data with them, has no clue what they're doing in terms of data protection. And that's the kind of asymmetry exactly where a regulation needs to come in. And uh, we've been we've been sitting on that personal data privacy law for forever. Also, uh, it need not just depend on the, on, the, on the Data Protection Act. It could also be industry regulators like the RBI has done. It could also happen with other regulators, which has not happened. Um, and the other piece is, you know, when you talk about the reputation uh, impact, it's very important how the company handles it. It could actually turn out to be a positive for the business. Yeah. Right. Okay. So KK, I think, uh, well, I, I think, I think getting, getting both the perspectives, I think today, right. Uh, howsoever, <clears throat> I think you also mentioned that even when Equifax uh, got uh, Equifax is one of the infamous companies, right? Because they got breached twice, right? And, and they mishandled the yeah. breach, actually. Right. The response was mishandled. Yeah. Yet, and as a company, they're doing very well. Yeah, we give we give examples of Equifax uh, a lot of times in, because when we are explaining our privacy. But they did get fined. Yeah. They but got they fined hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's that, I feel, is the real penalty. Maybe yeah. the business loss may or may not happen. They may recover from it. But it is the penalties that they cannot evade, right? So what happened with Equifax is the first time they got, so the first time they got breached, uh, they were let off very easily. But then they got breached again. And then they were not let off. Then the authorities sat back with them and gave them a good fine, right? Which yeah. made an example out of them. Yeah. Moving, coming to the India example, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, when breaches are happening, people are not moving on. But... Maybe because that data is food data, right? It's, it's a data. Zomato has uh, knows about what I like to eat. But I'll give you an example. Uh, so I was using uh, a fitness application, right? And that fitness application has a lot more data, right? It had my height. It had uh, it had my weight, right? It, it had a lot more things, right? If I had BP, I had to put over there, right? So that it can track my, me. And once that data got breached, I left that application, 
right? Because because maybe food data is not that serious for me today, but my fitness data was. So it also depends, right? It also depends on what type of data uh, is going out. For example, credit card data, right? If, if it gets breached, everybody runs back to you know get get their passwords changed, right? So yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, I think both the perspectives uh, bring us to a conclusion, right? It's that even when in India, being in India, we we do we we've started hearing about it. But things as small as WhatsApp privacy policy changes, right, are affecting people in India already to move to an application which is totally was which was totally foreign to them, right, a few few weeks ago, and they started jumping to Signal, right, and everybody wanted privacy, right. So, but yeah, we still are on but WhatsApp. Ak- but Akash, both of us just connected on WhatsApp today morning, and we are <laughs> supposed to have been the first people to quit WhatsApp, right? Right, KK. But I'm just saying some behaviors, some consumer behaviors are so embedded that we tend to forsake our privacy over. And I think that that's one of your questions also. But we tend to forsake privacy over convenience. Right. So, so KK, what I'm trying to also uh, convey here is maybe not today, right? Maybe not today because of convenience. Maybe not today. But there is an option. We we can say that things, the things that look as rigid. as facebook as instagram and as whatsapp may become an orkut tomorrow right so it can happen right so that is what we're talking about it's it we we may we, the, the the life changes so fast in social media environment as ajay said right that that we don't know right we don't know in the next year what is going to happen right uh moving on uh to our question of the r right what is the solution for this right and i think we you sajay and kk i think probably you both have given some answers already in the answers but i think specifically what should a company do right an msme do or a corporate do uh, to solve the data breach problem yeah so over to you kk yeah yeah i think from a technology and process controls perspective uh, there is there are quite a few things that an organization could do i think looking to adopt iso 27001 as a standard might be a good starting step not because an iso standard necessarily sets the bar very high but at least it gives you a broad framework you know you have to address technology issues process issues policy issues etc and then uh and sajay if you could correct me if i am wrong that i think the indian law kind of recognizes iso 27000 certification as as kind of a due diligence right so you did at least the bare minimum that you were supposed to do yeah um, so that that might also act as some level of uh, insurance but i think from an sme perspective the most important thing is to take backups because you will get hit by ransomware sooner or later and it's only your backups that are going to save you that's one um at at a large corporate level uh, in the large enterprise level you know again there's so many things that you could do and and we can't get into too many prescriptive points here but i would just evangelize the need for uh, a breach response plan right so you need to be prepared today for when a breach might happen because we've been part of uh, breach scenarios where you know you have all the senior management sitting in a room and shouting over each other because everybody's trying to cover their backsides uh, and uh, multiple messages are going out to media everybody speaking to the press there's no consistent messaging um either they're trying to hide that there has been a breach or they're trying to obfuscate the facts of the matter um and, and you know mishandling the breach is worse than the breach itself sometimes right it's just making the a bad right, situation right, worse right so i would say both of those aspects are important the preventive aspect and also the response uh, preparedness right so jay what's your take 
So I'll uh, first just quickly give you uh, the legal inputs as in what is the compliance level required because you did mention GDPR earlier. But uh, India does have uh, rudimentary or otherwise we do have some guidance uh, in law. Um, we have, uh, as uh, uh, KK had mentioned, we do have the Information Technology Act 2000, which is the mother law. Uh, which uh, under which uh, under 43a of that section 43a of that we have the uh, information technology reasonable security practices and procedures and sensitive personal data or information rules 2011 we call them the 2011 rules uh, these rules uh, really say that a, a body corporate uh, uh, it, it, it could be a company, it could be a sole proprietorship, it could be an association of individuals, it could be a large uh, entity, uh, which carries on commercial or professional activities. Um, it, it says that if, uh, if, if such a, a company uh, was to deal with data, it needs to maintain reasonable security practices and procedures. And these, if I may just sum up in sort of four buckets, First, it has to implement a security practice and standard for the organization. And that's, uh, you know, we've spoken a little bit about that. I'll come to that in a minute as well uh, about on the ISO. Um, but you could choose whatever you like. Uh, you, the second is you have to have a comprehensive documented information security program and information security policies. And these policies, the next point is, should contain managerial. So it's not just technical, it's also managerial, technical, operational, and phys physical security controls. Physical security on uh, hardware, on, on things that uh, uh, may not really be uh, data in that sense. So, you know, you need to have a comprehensive. You can't just say that uh, we've got the technical things in place, like uh, KK mentioned, when you have a management meeting, it can't be that everyone is saying, oh, I did whatever, or that there was technology. Each one has to commit to it. And what the government has found is the ISO 27001 um, guidelines are probably the ones that meet most of the requirements. Still, something else comes into in India. Now, um, you could set things a business could set keep uh, perimeter security practices and procedures in place and that's very good but i think what if you are dealing with data and information you what is needed is a data centric solution and a tight control which starts from who can access specific files and data sets and uh, while encryption does help and you could encrypt uh, and control access but even with encryption, you have to be sure what kind of encryption is useful for what business and, you know, what the level of uh, awareness is in that business. Um, it, it's the even if there is a data breach and uh, unauthorized individuals get access, if you have done these things, if you put uh, practices in uh, place uh, and, you know, you put encryption and otherwise uh, 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 controls in place, then um, while uh, a data breach, uh, you know, you may or may not be able to avoid, but at least with regard to uh, the encrypted data, you may be able to avoid or con control the data breaches. And when 
demonstrating your compliance with an authority, you could demonstrate the fact that you did all you could. And then, uh, you know, beyond that, you couldn't have done very much. And then still the data breach happened. Yeah. So the risk level can be brought to acceptable levels. Very well articulated, Sajay. Uh, and I, I think from here onwards, uh, we talked about data breach. We talked about uh, how much it affects uh, the reputation, how the fines have been going, how do we demonstrate compliance? And ca can we also help our uh, listeners right, to understand those few things right, that they uh, that they can understand to implement in their organizations, maybe like the industry best practices to safeguard against the data breach. Yeah, KK and Sajay, I think I'll, I think let's start with Sajay. <laughs> okay, so I will say that uh, you know what, uh, and KK will give you all the technical bits. But from the data breaches that I've uh, handled and continue to handle for clients. These are my practical inputs. So KK will give you the, the, the real technical inputs. See, the one of the biggest issues was employee awareness and regular training. And uh, Akash, what I found is that, or what I feel is that each employee of a business needs to know some basics. Like it could be very simple, how to spot a phishing email, how to create a strong password, and why you should use a multi-factor authentication in a digestible and a memorable manner. Now, I would say that defending against cyber threats is not just the purview of the management that we were talking about who sit in boardrooms. It's the requirement of everyone in the organization. And in, in addition to educating and tech, uh, training your employees, it is important to keep the data of the organization to the bare minimum. So only keep the data you need. Destroy what you don't need. Monitor. Um, and today in COVID and everything, the remote monitoring is becoming uh, very common. But I'm just saying remote monitoring should be there all the time of your networks. Keep backups. Safeguard physical data. Physical files get lost. And physical files also contain data. We are so focused on electronic. Audit the data. Audit your computer resources, update, updates people forget to put, patches people forget to put. And regularly, uh, if you're putting updates and control, uh, uh, regularly managing and auditing your computer resources, you're way ahead of the curve. Um, so visibility with what hardware and software assets are there in the network, help you understand the organization's security posture. and. Um, uh, you know, for somebody like KK who walks in, if you've given him that asset inventory, he can categorize and rate the threats and vulnerable, uh, vulnerabilities and the assets, what that the assets may encounter and give you solutions and prioritization of the remediation efforts. I also want to, you asked the interesting question, I also want to bring up totally uh, as an aside, some, uh, another myth. There was this a uh, client I was talking to and they said antivirus, I have antivirus on my computers or whatever, on the computer resources. And antivirus is great, but it's not enough to prevent a major data breach. In fact, antivirus protection leaves endpoints like desktops and laptops totally exposed. So, and that desktops and laptops have become a major gateway for breaches. So the security team and people like AK need to understand where these points are and these vulnerabilities to be able to give you that solution. And an endpoint solution using encryption 
will prevent data loss and leakage. It will be able to enforce what we spoke about a little while back, the unified data protection policies across all servers and the networks across. And you know, if you're mirroring that with all the people, then you are substantially reducing the risk of data breach. So that would be uh, my uh, take on uh, this uh, response. But I'll hand over to KK, who will give you the technical inputs. Yeah. KK, would you like to add on to this? Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other thing I would uh, kind of add on, on to the excellent foundation that Sajay has laid is that um, try not to do everything by ourselves, right? SMBs should adopt the cloud. It's better to go on Office 365 or Google Suite than hosting your Microsoft Exchange servers yourself. Um, and then, you know, with, with these platforms, you get storage encryption and, and the whole nine yards. You get multi-factor authentication and so on and so forth. And just harping back to an earlier point, which is uh, take backups. Because I think from an SMB perspective, the two, two threats that are very important to understand. One is, of course, ransomware, where you know your data could get encrypted. And unless you pay a huge sum, you won't get access to your data back. And that's, that's devastating to your business. Uh, so you have to have backups in place. And the other big threat to an SMB that they should realize is something called business email compromise, which is not a privacy subject or such, but you know more in terms of uh, when uh, hackers get access to your email accounts and then they monitor a transaction that is about to take place. And just before the funds get uh, transferred, they change the banking account information and you end up transferring the funds to the wrong account. So that's very common in the SMB segment. It's a multi-billion dollar scam. Uh, and ransomware is now in maybe in the trillions of dollars, if not in the high hundreds of billions of dollars. So I think those are two key uh, aspects. Yep. And pretty much what Sajay said should should keep you in good shape plus the backups. Yeah. Exactly. All Even all my knowledge of cybersecurity and privacy just came out. Listen, okay, one and the checklist is here. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to uh, cut that part and put it out for people to follow, right? Safeguards should follow. This yes. is one, two, three, four, five, six. It's the best <laughs> one yet. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So there, there's a special section for our listeners today. Uh, the special section is where they want to understand how can they pursue a career like you, right? So I, I would I would like to give the mic back to Sajay and then to KK for a short 30 second, one minute, right? And and I, do exp- I know it's not pos- possible easily, but obviously it's possible, but not possible easily. I know, right? And uh, I've been knowing you folks, but still, right? It's uh, for people there, they are motivated by you, right? Even even for me, right? I was talking to Sajay and I was like, uh, I had to start a podcast to talk to you, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so back to you, Sajay and KK, yeah? Well, I... If my life has been an inspiration for anyone, I think I am so happy that my life was well lived. Um, I, I it's hard to say, Akash, that how would I, what advice I would give people who would want to uh, do something like I have done. I think I, I have a long way to go. Um, but uh, the only advice I would give is uh, just focus and hard work. Um, that's all that I can say. Um, the circumstances in my career kept changing. And uh, I my career actually spans the change of Indian economy and how the economy kept changing its focus. 
and I had no option but to continue to you know evolve based on that. So I, I guess I was open enough to adapt to the changing circumstances. So that would be uh, something that uh, was important, uh, but didn't lose focus. I wanted whatever job I did, I wanted to do a good job. I still, whatever I want, whatever small or big uh, work I'm given, I like to do the best I can. Um, and there is no substitute for hard work. And I have seen that, um, be it in uh, a conversation, be it in, client advice, be it in a large matter, small matter. If you work hard, what we used to call homework when we were in school, you will be able to perform better. So that's what I would say. But, you know, once again, I thank people if, you know, I can provide them or if they feel I am of any guidance to them, happy to, uh, uh, you know, provide any inputs to them. But, uh, I think they are, they would probably achieve far more um, in today's circumstances. But back to you, Akash, and or KK. KK, over to you then. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I, I started uh, in 2001 and uh, pretty much as a one-man show doing security testing, pen testing work myself. And then from there grew the firm. So I think what's important first is always be learning. Right, you have to constantly be learning, uh, no matter what you do. Right, you're in a job, you're 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 a professional, you're an entrepreneur. You have to be a constant student for life. That's extremely important. You can never stop learning, and especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, because you don't come from a background where you know everything about running a business. You will have to learn so many aspects of it, and if you're not humble enough to know that you're not the smartest guy in the room you'll always be learning and you'll always be looking out for people from whom you can learn. And every interaction will be like, what can I take away from this? That will help me. Um, so, but if you come in with massive ego and you say, you know, I'm the dude and you know, I'll build a massive company and I'll build a hundred million dollar company. Uh, I, I don't think that that helps, right? It, it pushes people away and you need networks to succeed. You need people to support you. You're not going to make it out, make it all on your own. So uh, that that's one. The second important point is, I think, empathy. So that's very important. You know, we go into any conversation always with a large list of talking points, like, oh, this is what I'm going to say to my customer. This is what I'm going to say to this person in this meeting. But we never go in saying, okay, let me just take a pause and listen to this person for the next 15 minutes. And then I will decide what my response should be. So I think that capability to listen, like when we are sitting, with, when I'm sitting with a customer, I'm never starting off by, hey, here's my company, here's what we do. I always start off by saying, tell us about yourself, tell us about what where your firm is, what are your cybersecurity challenges, and then you tune your response to specifically those points, right? Instead of spending 20 minutes on a on a on a PowerPoint spiel. Uh, so I think those are those are key points, and then whatever you do, right? There is no right or wrong career path. Is if you combine what Sajay said in terms of hard work, in terms of smart work, in terms of focus, uh, and then you know you're you're a student for life. You're always learning, and you are humble enough, uh, you know, to to be on that constant path of learning. I think uh, success will come, right? And also long-term thinking. Always be thinking long-term. Like never go into a relationship or a contract with a customer thinking how much can I generate revenue from. Today, our largest customers that we have, which, which are massive in terms of revenue per year, 
they all started off by giving us like one app to test and we didn't i didn't go into that conversation saying yeah yeah this is useless why are they giving me one app there are hundreds of apps that i could be testing for them i'm not going to do this work it's too small for me no i said okay this is a foot in the door right it will grow into something big so i think that long term thinking is very very important whatever you do in life kk i think kk and sujay i think both i think i am learning a lot from both of your guidance now just in the last two minutes i have taken a lot so i i'll i'll definitely remember this and i know this is something that every entrepreneur should also hear and not just a professional right especially because if you look at entrepreneurship in india there are a lot of there are a lot of incubators right there are a lot of other people who are trying to help out uh but getting the right guidance is i can i can i can say uh, for my path right has always come from people i have closely known right people who have been my mentors like my last company kpmg uh, i've got a lot of mentorship from them my other internships that i did with the with the founders are from them but it, it's very true okay, okay it's very true sajay right it's this is something that i would i will probably put this as an entrepreneurship as <laughs> well in coming time so moving on uh, so we now moving on from our special round uh, we have the fun round right uh, which is the rapid fire round yeah so our, i know i don't no, want to tell you about that before that we need to know what's in the hamper uh, so the hamper is um, i think uh, we'll uh, once 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 the okay things open, okay no, i didn't want to put you on that spot akash but we need a hamper we need a hamper you you get a free application testing from saro <laughs> i'm just kidding uh, so we we good you did say that you know you get sanjay gets a free app tested by kk's company yeah i i so thought he was hour. going to yeah so that's what i thought free consulting legal consulting from sanjay chalo do yeah, yeah that's what i thought i thought he's going to say akash yeah. for next the, time you remember the hamper is pass on the work yeah, the hamper is uh, there's a partnership coming out between three of us right that's that's the hamper yeah so but yeah i think i'll not talk about it more here i'll call you guys <laughs> afterwards so rapid fire questions okay rapid fire questions the important questions the best questions of the day uh, that everybody wants to know from you right so but how do we answer you have to tell us the rules of rapid fire there have to be rules so rapid fire is like just just you have to answer like whatever comes to your no, mind no but who who answers first do you ask it to a person or we both jump in cut each other you have to tell us the rules akash you have to make it more interesting so, so either you ask one person or you we have a buzzer or something how do we answer this so basically every both of you have to answer it right i'll answer for the question and then one by one it's uh, okay, like, okay. like the answer may be yes and but it's if it's yes it's like suggest so is yes maybe kk says no Right. All right. Yeah. If so there is a so so you'll give the question and then you'll say Sajay and then you'll say KK. Yes. Or I will press KK the buzzer. Yeah. I'll yeah. Press the buzzer. All right. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. KK, are you ready? I think so. Yeah. I this know. is the you know by the way this is in in forty plus years this is my first rapid fire of of my life so. Oh, new one, new experience for me today. Yeah. Well, it is my first rapid fire, and that's why I really want the hamper. So surely, I think uh, we will we will do we will need some more PII, right? And you will get your hampers, yeah. So going on to the questions then. Have you ever been scammed, Sajay? No. Yes. Because why? I'll tell you why. Because it's uh, uh, in terms of my email, the it's very interesting. 
I just use my official email and everyone says, you know, this is, uh, don't you have a personal email? I'd never keep a personal email. I, I just, I keep making for a particular purpose and then I forget the password and then it goes <laughs> off. So, you know, if I, those emails have been uh, scammed in some way, I don't know. But uh, no, I haven't been. So my official email, that just shows that JSA has very good security practices and procedures, a plug for JSA a plug for KK who helped us and um, it's so we don't really need to worry about any phishing or any scam scamming here. Right. KK. KK. Yeah. KK. Yes. Yeah. Because as the smart cybersecurity professional in the room, you know, I once gave my card to my driver to get it, get the fuel, fuel filled in the car. And obviously he went to a gas station where they skimmed the card. So next oh. day morning, I had some uh, weird charges on my card, which got reversed after a lot of pain. But yeah, thought be better than to hand cards over to. Yeah, that, that's that's much People better than, than going for a lottery on the Gmail, right? We get so many. Or, or, or that email from Nigeria. Didn't you get, haven't you got emails from Nigeria, KK? Yeah, but I didn't fall for them. This oh, one, I, I, oh. I walked into this uh, scam, right? I, and, and the other one is where one of your friends is stuck somewhere and doesn't have money. Yeah. yeah. And from his WhatsApp, that, that question will come. Hey, can you please... Yeah. Can you send me money because I'm stuck and I need to buy a ticket to return to India or something. And you're wondering whatever, you know, how and... You really don't know what to do. Yeah. I I think my question of wondering is like, how did my friend go to like, <laughs> <laughs> like Barcelona? Who, yeah, how did he get money first of all to go to Barcelona? <laughs> so nowadays I get uh, WhatsApp messages from very pretty Asian girls uh, saying, you know, that they met me somewhere and they would like to connect. And I'm like, no, this <laughs> hasn't happened. <laughs> Unlike well, uh, what to do, KK, if you're so good looking, what uh, yeah. the, the, you have to suffer the consequences. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, but I, 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 I'm not there as well. You know, I think these, these women are really attractive and I know that I've never <laughs> met them in my life. Well, they, they found you online. So, you know, you should not break their hearts. Exactly. KK. Mm. I, th I think you should like bear with them. I should least. reply, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I'll, I'll like, keep you guys updated <laughs> when I respond to them. <laughs> create a new profile. <laughs> yeah, create a new profile. KK. I think that's the only solution now. Yeah. So moving on to the next question. Data privacy versus convenience. What do you choose? Who is to answer? Sajay. Uh, data privacy. I, uh, uh, I, I don't think I, uh, I usually, I'm not an impulsive buyer shopper, uh, but I, when I do shop, I don't shop that much, but when I do shop, I just know what I want and I just go and shop. I don't really, uh, I don't think I go through the whole convenience process. So I would be very careful in sharing my information and if i don't it's only things that i need uh and i don't you know they're very basic stuff so i i don't think for those i would be willing to share my details right okay officially i choose privacy but the secret <laughs> is often convenience <laughs> right yeah. so uh, same with me also i think even being a privacy professional i, I think I, I cannot say today but but at least we know that right that education is very important when you are losing out on privacy 
if they, yeah. there may be a lot yeah. of scenarios where we can do that but, but akash why would you this is very interesting but i'm just wondering why would you uh share your information um i mean for you especially because you are in the uh, profession uh why would you share your information what would you get i mean i i keep thinking about this and analyzing it that what is the benefit you get what is that convenience that you get for which you are willing to do it willing to so share so for example right for example uh marketing mailers right so for me today uh i do not i purposely do not give my email id anywhere wherever i go even if i am if i have to download a report uh i usually give <clears throat> my email ids that i do not use right so and and i and i'm doing that purposefully from since i think last 2 years now but still sometimes let's say uh let's say one trust right so one trust is an application for privacy right and and whatever one trust sends as a marketing mail or as a knowledge mail helps me out in my profession right so i give my data to one trust so one trust still sends me some questions obviously we are partners with one trust as well but still uh that that there is something that we get educated with uh, and mm-hmm. that is so so there are, there are a few places where out of it's not about privacy it's about my knowledge right and for knowledge i need that that person to send me data right send me do some analytics on me and send me the data right for example zomato right for example zomato so we all have given our data to zomato or a similar application like swiggy uh and now they have analyzed right ki at 2 pm i get hungry right they have analyzed so they have seen all the data then when do i order food right so now they know that at 2 pm i will uh, be hungry so they will put a small notification saying bhook lagi hai right it's coming right now this so at 1:45 it will be bhook lagi okay then my mind will take okay i think i need food yeah uh, kuch meetha ho jaye after 2:45 right they know i have eaten right so so maybe sometimes this helps also but yeah it's it's always give and take yeah so so it's the push and the pull of marketing okay all right great knowledge for me i think uh, moving on to the third question then uh iot devices are always listening true or false sachay uh so i would say yes for a device to react to a voice command without the user pressing a button to activate the feature the device must listen at all times or most of the times see the eventual goal of ai and iot is a scenario uh and think of a science fiction movie a scenario where you ask the device to perform arbitrary tasks and they do it so i think to reach that level and i i mean you are giving you are actually giving me the example that at 2 p 145 you get a mailer um that bhook lagi hai kya and 230 or whenever you said you get a a, a notification kuch meetha ho jaye so you know it just shows that be it um your apps or be it any kind of device that uses artificial intelligence deep learning or uh, um, um, whichever way you want to uh, uh, categorize the technology they need to do it they need to do it to beat your natural or you, you know come so close to your natural being uh so they won't be able to do it unless they keep getting that data so the answer from my perspective would be yes kk yeah i mean 
I use an Android phone, so I've already lost all my privacy to Google in terms of using Google as a search engine and Gmail as an email service and maps and what have you, right? So sometimes even I feel KK that you know uh, Google may also know who's making a bomb or who's doing you know the wrong things because everybody is googling this stuff, right? So if only the police has access to what we are googling, they would already be knowing, right? So I, uh, that's a very good point. I have to uh, interject and give you one comment because I was on uh, a, the International Bar Association, which I was mentioning. So in our technology committee, we had a discussion on big tech and there was a, this whole anti-big tech sort of, a you know, the whole panel was going anti-big tech of this, they, they are monopoly, controlling governments, making things happen, all of that. But one of the things I said that, um, which is a very positive thing, is this knowledge. Because they actually uh, can, they know when something is going to happen, where and we, uh, you could talk about a crime, but you could also talk about an infection, a disease. They see people falling ill in a particular area. They are asking for a particular medicine. They know that, and that... You, you know, potentially that disease could be a disease that could spread. And it's not a disease that, you know, just happens to one or two people. So they could contain it. You know, it could be contained if that information went to the health authorities of that region. So what I'm trying to say is that, yes, you actually bring out a very important point, which, you know, goes for big tech and sharing information and data and all of that uh, with big tech, because there's so much of negative press on that, that this is one positive point. Sorry for the interjection. Yeah. Thanks, rather thanks for interjecting, Sajay. I think uh, we should have covered this earlier itself, but this is a very well put point forward. Yeah, uh, I think uh, we, we we have given our viewers uh, good food of thought today. So uh, thank you, Sajay and KK for joining me today and giving our audience an understanding of data breach and what can they do, right? Or what can a corporate do, right? And how, what more can they think about their data when they are giving their data outside, right? These challenges uh, keep growing every year, every month, every day, right? But uh, we, we, we all three will see in another year how the Indian uh, community grows in this field, right? Uh, over to Sajaya. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, Akash. And it was a pleasure to uh, chat with you. It was a pleasure to speak with you, KK. And uh, I wish you all the best. And I hope this podcast helps people, helps especially SMEs, uh, MSMEs to uh, try and think about data breaches and think about security. Okay. Yeah, same here. Uh, thank you, Akash, for uh, inviting us to be on the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think I've had a business meeting where we've joked and laughed so much. So it was good fun. Uh, but I think we covered so many serious topics and I'm sure the audience hopefully will take away some good insights. And Sajay, it's been such a pleasure uh, interacting with you and hope to stay in touch with you, both of you, actually. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, Akash. Sure.